Hello, and welcome to the Oscar Went To, the podcast that looks back at a year in film and sees what films endured, what films didn't, and attempts to figure out why. Please give it up for your masters of ceremony, Max Salim and Nick Mestad. You know, the, um, the this podcast isn't about, well, I guess it's a, a little bit about nostalgia, mm-hmm. but it's not about talking about uh, it's not it's not about throwing throwing throwbacks of of the past movie watching world necessarily mm-hmm. but i have found myself as we do this podcast doing a lot of reflecting about video rental stores because i think that's like how we saw a lot of these yes movies. absolutely especially with like specific years like this one where it's like oh man like so many of these movies are I saw when they like when they originally came out, either in a theater or renting them or both. And I gotta say, like I feel like video rental has been sort of like a punchline, one that I've contributed mm-hmm. to, like over the last ten years. Like, haha, isn't that ridiculous? We used to like drive to the video store, and then we used to like drive back to re- return mm-hmm. stuff. And I was thinking the other day that the process of finding a movie at Blockbuster was somehow more enjoyable than scrolling through netflix like when you're not when you're like i don't know what i want to watch do you would you agree with this 100 percent agree with that and i think the main reason for that is it's like a spoil of riches where it's like you have everything because it's like the difference between those two things is like scrolling on a streaming service you it's like you can rent every one of these movies you can you can watch any single one of these movies and if you don't like it you can you have the video store right there, except it's like ostensibly free. You've already paid for it. Whereas Blockbuster is like choice. Like you have to decide and like it's a commitment. Like it's like the movie you pick, you're at home with that movie for the next like two days. And like if you don't like it, tough. If you love it, great. But you can't like just stop it halfway through. If you if you can't just like bail on it and like watch something else. But I feel more of the decision... So- so that you're making it sound like you like it because of the the commitment mm-hmm. aspect because yeah. of like but I feel more I have more of a decision paralysis when I'm doom scrolling through Netflix and it's getting later and later and I'm like well, I could maybe watch that I could maybe watch that too mm-hmm. oh shit I should really start something like these these feelings I don't know I didn't I guess I'm just sort of nostalgic for a a, a blockbuster past lately it works similar like i feel like when i'm when i'm listening to music this is the, the, there's a similar effect happening to me where i used to listen to a lot more music when i'd get in the car and there was like 10 cds to choose from mm-hmm. and i'd like put one in mm-hmm. and now when i get in the car and i can connect my phone to the stereo and i can listen to any song ever made ever mm-hmm. I somehow listen to less music because I like can't be bothered with that. Yeah. That decision. Yeah. I can, I can get behind that. I also, I miss the same goes for television and like where it's like, and, and I would say I was never a huge radio fan. Cause I, and to this day where it's just like, it's amazing that radio still is like a like profitable business model because it is just like so many commercials, but like it, it was that, that, that feeling of like, I think back to that New York Times reporter that you quoted like recently where it's like going to a movie theater, you're at the whim of the movie. Like the movie 
is like setting the tone. You can't pause it. If you're going to the bathroom, you're doing it at the expense of the movie. Like you're, it's, it's relinquishing control and everything we're talking about here, Spotify, streaming services, uh, like even television, like just streaming services for, for, for movies and TV. Whereas like, network television was like here's what's on radio is like here's what you're listening to even cds it's like here's the music that you can choose from it's very limited uh that's a it's like it's just like you're 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 a relinquishing control you're like at the mercy of, of for better or worse of like something else that's deciding for you but it is also like communal because it's like here's what anyone else listening to this radio station is listening to or here's what anyone else watching tv is watching um it, 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 it th- th- that is a significant quality that is is lacking and i feel like we've been in the streaming reality enough for for th- that that absence to be like felt where it's like i kind of miss just like it's the decision paralysis it's like now that we're we can decide which is like such a like coveted position to be in it also is like liberating this, like it's yeah liberating but also paralyzing too uh where it's just like i, I don't know if you can watch anything like it just kind of like loses its meaning somewhat. I'm going to go ahead and, and host today as a little farewell episode for me. I, I suppose these will be released in, um, in a different order. So this might not be the last time that you're the, that, that the listeners are hearing my voice for a while, mm-hmm. but it's the last time you and I will be doing this for probably the next six weeks. As maybe I've mentioned before, I'm heading uh, out of town to go produce my first feature film. Yeah, it's a very exciting. It's a very exciting reason to 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 be absent. So I hope I, I look forward to listening, and uh, and and maybe I will um, check in with you from time to time. Yeah, I think I think uh, on behalf of myself certainly, and I think the listeners, we'd really love that. Well, let's do it. Yeah. All right. Hello and welcome to the Oscar went to. What are we trying to do here? We are attempting to look back at a year in film and retroactively crown a best picture for that given year. But we're not looking for the best movie or the most important film. We're attempting to find the film that has endured over time and squarely placed itself in the zeitgeist of a given year. Along the way, we hope to rediscover some old movies, discover new hidden gems, all the while trying to glean something about time passing culture evolving or whatever i'm max i'm nick and nick i think that this is sort of a i don't want to say special episode but mm-hmm. uh the Os- i think this episode will come out around when the oscars the 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 especially late oscars this year in late april the the reason i i'm suggesting that this might be kind of a special episode is because as you know mm-hmm. and we I, I think we've spoken about before that we came up with the concept for this podcast just after last year's Oscars, which, and I think we specifically said, Mm -hmm. wouldn't it be cool if the Oscars gave a retroactive Oscar for best picture 20 years later, based on how the movies have aged. Indeed. And it's like wild to think, because that conversation feels like it was way more than a year. It feels like that was like maybe three years ago we had that conversation. That's a long time ago. In honor of that conversation and in honor of the Oscars coming back, um, we are going to go exactly 20 years back and, and discuss 2001 in film. There will be plenty of time to get into all the nuances, so let's just uh, jump right into it. Yeah, let's do it. I'm excited. The Oscar for Best Picture 
went to a beautiful mind. Yes. Did you see this movie in theaters? I did not. No, I saw it many times on DVD, though. Beautiful Minds fellow Best Picture nominees were Moulin Rouge, The First Lord of the Rings, The Fellowship of the Ring, Mm -hmm. In the Bedroom, and Gosford Park. Yes. The highest grossing film of 2001 was Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone, which is the first Harry Potter, correct? Yep, and known as, in the States, Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone. Right, 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 right. Thank you for the clarification. Yes. How many people just turned the podcast off when I made that foolish, foolish mistake? (laughs) All of our uh, American listeners threw down their iPod, uh, uh, earpods. Yeah, Ryan and Spencer definitely (laughs) turned off the podcast. What the fuck is this? Rounding out the top 10 is um, Lord of the Rings, The Fellowship of the Ring. Mm Mm-hmm. Monsters, Inc., Shrek, Ocean's Eleven, Pearl Harbor, The Mummy Returns, Jurassic Park 3, Planet of the Apes, and Hannibal. Yes. And that's worldwide, worth noting. That is worldwide gross mm-hmm. with Harry Potter grossing over $1 billion. Incredible. <laughs> Incredible. Right. Yeah. And this is uh, something worth noting is that uh, with Harry Potter and uh, Lord of the Rings, Fellowship of the Ring, they both gross more than $800 million. And that's the first time two films released in the same year gross more than that at the box office. Fun fact. Thanks, Wikipedia. The winner of the Palme d'Or it was the Italian film The Sun's Room. Winner of the Golden Lion at the Venice Film Festival was Monsoon Wedding. And the winner of the Golden Bear at the Berlin Film Festival was a film called Intimacy. I saw Monsoon Wedding. I remember hearing. That's the only film of those. That's the only of those three I've seen. Yeah, that's the only one of those three that I've heard of. I remember hearing about Monsoon Wedding around that time. Is it good? I guess I don't remember if it's good. It, I know it takes place in India and it is very like... It's a bit of a like family drama, I want to say, and okay. it's very aesthetically interesting and beautiful. Okay, cool. So let's uh, let's just jump right into it, mm-hmm. as we always do. We start out on a bit of a cynical note, yeah. And uh, that category is why was this considered good? Yes. Okay. Uh, uh, what do you got? I got the best picture winner a beautiful mind now i'm using the criteria of if this movie hadn't won best picture i wouldn't have it on this list but the fact that it did in a year that really did uh was an extremely fruitful year for for enduring somewhat classic movies i had to put this this movie on here it's it's a movie that like it 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 checks all of the classic oscar boxes of true historic tale of a character persevering through hardship and it's prestigious and uh seemingly accurate although uh, no i take that back that it got like some guff for for portraying i think schizophrenia in a more cinematic way and less truthful way anyway it's just like a serious movie i haven't heard anyone talk about this movie since past 2005 maybe um i'm sure a, a rewatch would would warrant that it's fine uh, and good and and you know certainly a, a, a maybe even moving movie but like that just in a year that that has movies that are are true classics that uh, you know beautiful mind is is why why was this the the winner yeah we you know the last few episodes we've run into these really egregious best picture winners mm-hmm. this is also my why was this considered good it's a bit of a a cliche choice mm-hmm. um, but it's the second consecutive uh, year in film that I have nominated the best picture winner. Yeah. I don't know what to do with Ron Howard. Like yeah. he's clearly he's clearly like talented mm-hmm. somehow. He clearly like he has 
the tools one needs to be a good filmmaker, mm -hmm. it seems. But he's so vanilla at the same time. Vanilla is the correct word. And I think his win for A Beautiful Mind was certainly like a career... Um, it, you know, a career recognition is certainly a, a big factor in him winning Best Director uh, as well as Best Picture this year. If I could give Oscars to people for being a good guy, though, I would give you an Oscar, Nick. Thank you. I have my speech prepared. One other thing I'll say about he's medium brow. He's medium brow. Yeah. And yeah, I yeah. think that's the issue is that he's not like really like like low brow crowd pleaser, but like his films no. don't don't go anywhere below the surface yeah the the one thing i'm going to say about this movie is that the twist is like pretty it this comes like when you think about it it comes soon after the sixth sense yeah and fight club yeah yeah which both have a great twist a similar twist and are very elegant like once you know the twist and you rewatch the movie it is so fruitful yeah and it is there, there's so much to to notice about about the stories and this one is just like pulling the rug out from under the audience yeah and uh, it's like oh yeah those people don't exist psych yeah it's like not working very well yeah that's a good that's a good point and i think maybe like a a large reason why we don't hear about it anymore is because like it's just not super it doesn't reward the rewatch at all okay we're, we're in unison on that let's like see that. how long we can yeah uh, we, can, we can stay together here it's a fun tight rope our next category is the best bad movie great do you want to take this one first Th this category just to clarify is a a, a movie that is Maybe not objectively bad, but it, it's pretty hard to um, argue that it it's good. Mm -hmm. But but there's still a soft part in my heart for for the movies in this category. Yeah, yeah. Have you seen Wet Hot American Summer? Okay, so this is one of my blind spots. I've I've okay. seen half of this movie. You're a comedian. Dude. I know, man. And and in my world, and I'll just assume this is maybe prevalent for like everyone in our age group, because I don't want to be obnoxious and be like, because I I roll with comedians, this is like a gold standard. I think it's like pretty. It's a it's a huge, huge, huge cult classic in our generation. And I've only seen half of it. Um, yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, this is a blind spot for me. But go off. Yeah, I. W I was recently um, lauding Donnie Darko as like mm -hmm. the cult classic, mm -hmm. as far as like the 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 worst showing at the box office, followed by the like strongest legacy. This could also be a nominee. This movie mm -hmm. grossed two hundred ninety five thousand dollars at the box. Wow, office. that is like that's not like a poor box office showing. That is like nothing about as few tickets as you can possibly sell. Mm -hmm. But it's it's it like I feel like most people have seen yes. this movie. Most people I talk to yes. it's a the 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 cast is like uncannily star studded. Mm -hmm. It's like it's not good. It's not like a well made movie, but it's funny. Like the jokes there's like maybe ten really funny jokes and they're all just like spaced out just far enough that it like you stay on the line the whole way through and laugh a lot. So gotcha. I like it. I need to, I need to watch a, it. This is also worth noting. It plays with the, uh, the eighties thing, which Donnie Darko does. Too. Sure. So Interesting. Maybe something. Yeah. Something around this time, uh, uh, eighties films were ripe to, to blossom into cult classics. Yeah. 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 Also like Donnie Darko and this and what, Hot, what Hot are like super, yeah. Low budget indies. 
and that's where we're seeing like 80s nostalgia maybe for the first time at least like in movies that's really interesting head of the curves both these films what's your best bad movie i'm going on the complete opposite direction of budget and scale wise the best bad movie to me is harry potter and the sorcerer's stone or the philosopher's stone this movie is not good (laughs) um but uh, in regards to nostalgia in regards to like whenever it whenever it comes uh, holiday time, whenever the weather gets uh, you know autumnal and uh, cold, uh, Harry Potter movie scratch the itch and scratches the itch, and I think this uh, this first one is like uh, no exception. It's a very it's a it's a big comfort watch, uh, and again, it's not very good. Okay, I um, maybe a, this this is a good nominee to revisit with uh, Ryan and Spencer during my my absence. Yeah, maybe. I, I mean, I don't. I don't want to. It's like it's just like so. It's it's just so well trotted territory of like everyone knows what it is, and even if you haven't seen it, you know what it is. Um, but I also, you know, I was. I remember we were freshmen in high school um, when it came out. I remember. I just remember lining up for it and seeing it in the packed theater and the feeling and anticipation for this being the first one and and everything. It, that that certainly coats my my perspective on it but um has a special place well i i've uh i haven't i've only seen one harry potter as you know but, but which one have one you seems seen really un- oh goblet the one we did the deep yeah, dive goblet for, yeah. Fire. got you i don't even know the name of it yeah. um, wow so cool doesn't even know harry yeah. potter <laughs> i only know the british names of the harry potter movies so <laughs> i'm not sure what to call that one yeah the, uh this one is on a, especially unappealing for me, yeah, though, because I hear that. they're like no no shade on Chris Columbus, but uh, like I don't think he's a particularly good filmmaker. Confusing how he like kicked off this franchise, which I have. Sure, I think that like general like kind of like uh, group think is that the first two Chris Columbuses are kind of bad. Um, Prisoner of Azkaban, which um, Alfonso Cuarón did, is the best one. And then, like, the ones after that are, like, they deliver the goods in, like, a very perfunctory way. Like, it just delivers the, you know, the rest of them, like, deliver the goods. They're not, like, great. They're also not bad. They're just, like, you know, if you're seeing a Harry Potter movie, that's what those are. Let's uh, let's keep talking about Alfonso Cuaron a bit. Yeah. The um, Our next category is the best film you've never heard of. Disclaimer, as usual, these are usually very well seen films but they're not well seen and they're very good films this is how i arrive to my choices usually for this category interesting however they're not widespreadly they're not seen by a wide enough audience to really um to really justify their place in the mount rushmore plus one gotcha okay so i mean you 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 just give your choice i mean that. So my, I have two. I have two, and I'll speak briefly on them. But mm-hmm. my first one is "Itu Mama Tambien Yeah, I, by Alfonso Cuarón. If this, if this was my favorite movies of the year, this would probably be in my top five. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. I am like a little like best movie you never heard of. Like, uh, 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 th- th- I mean, this is like to me, this is a very well known movie. This is a very well known, very well seen movie, but I don't think it's like seen by a completely like widespread audience. I think my friends, my friends' parents, my family members that are not um, cinephiles, that they're not like big film goers, have not 
seen this movie. Another reason I snuck it into here, maybe a little bit questionably, is that it wasn't really arriving in any other category, but I felt it was worth mentioning. Um, just really the point when it's about two like teenage hormonal best friends in Mexico who go on a road trip with an attractive older woman. And it's like about life and sex and friendship. And, but I, I just, it's really when Alfonso Cuaron and uh, Emmanuel Lubetsky who shot it, you can really sense them getting their, their, their stride as filmmakers. And that's what I, I like so much about it. Yeah, shout out to E2 Mama Tambien. Maybe a little For bit sure. of a, a fudging of this category, but I wanted I wanted a second to, to talk about it. And then No, I like that. Really briefly, I, I have you ever seen Waking Life? I just saw this for the first time last night. Okay. Do you talk about it at any point in this podcast? I, I don't. I don't, but I like similar to uh I had no place for it, but I like that you included it in this category so we can talk about it briefly. Yeah, I mean I love if if, if if listeners and you haven't figured it out yet, I'm a big Richard Linklater fan, and I think his mm-hmm. his films are really like just ruminating, thought provoking experiments, and this is no this is no different. It's not necessarily like entertaining. It's like twenty little rotoscoped vignettes of the meaning of life, I guess, the, or the the mm-hmm. nature of consciousness, and they're all mm-hmm. fascinating to me and um yeah it's not a like not a movie where it's like ooh, let's watch waking life but yeah it, it sticks with you <laughs> yeah. for sure for sure it is very unique and and like th- what like sucks you into it or at least what sucked me into it is like very unique for a movie like it really touches upon like the the, the rotoscoping like a- animated the rotoscope animation of it, like the entire look of the film is extremely hard to describe if you haven't like seen it. Um, but it is like, ju- it's like very dreamlike, which it like totally like, that's like what it uses it as is like kind of the dreamlike nature of movies and these like little conversations we get. Also shout out to a straight up like unofficial cameo by our favorite lovebirds, uh, right. Jesse and Celine. Love it. It's great to see them. Yeah. Um, yeah, really, really, really cool. Uh, really cool movie that I'm surprised that like, like I, I I think Roger Ebert included it in his best of 2001. And uh, one of the things he said about it was he's like, and this has opened the doors for animation on, and on the independent level. It was done for a shoestring budget based on animated movies. And now animation belongs to everyone. And then we just like, didn't really see anything really like this. Like Richard Linklater's kind of been the only one with like Scanner Darkly. And I think his, he has a new movie coming out or he's working on his, a new movie that uses this again. So it's like, yeah, it's like interesting that the trajectory, like the promise of like the technical achievement of this film wasn't really fulfilled in the way that maybe people, the optimist predicted, but it is a really cool singular type of film. What's your best film you've never heard of? I got the the documentary Dogtown Dog and Z-Boys. Have you ever seen this movie? Oh, wow. I didn't know that came out this year. I have seen Dog Boys. Dog, Dogtown and Z-Boys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's uh, it's the documentary. There was a feature film with like Heath Ledger and uh, some other hunks that was made in the years after this based on this. But this is like the straight up documentary that just kind of chronicles like the advent of skateboarding and vans and just like skateboarding culture based like how it evolved and how it like 
originated and then evolved from like surfing culture in California. And uh, it's fucking awesome. It's like super, super cool uh, and like informative and like just a great documentary. Um, I, I Like it's one of the rare documentaries that's like feels like substantial, but is also one you can just like pop in and kind of feel good and cool. Uh, highly recommend Dogtown and Z-Boys. Yeah, that's a, that's a good call. I've seen that. I liked it a lot. I didn't, I guess I didn't realize that it was out this year or I somehow, I somehow missed it. I had to do some. Glad you brought it up though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It is like a movie that like I, I had to do some digging before I like found that and I was like, oh shit, like I'm glad I like, it was not like, uh, it was not like on the, on the very surface and even like subsurface level of doing research for this year in film, this didn't appear. So I'm glad that I, that I, that I found it because it is a, a hidden gem for sure highly recommend all right uh time for blind spot this is this is just like a movie that is well known or a cultural touchstone whatever that uh we as individuals somehow have missed either up until doing research for this podcast or maybe still haven't seen um my blind spot uh, already established in a couple episodes back and uh, a well <laughs> uh, uh and when this is revealed max you 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 um made clear your your shock with it uh my blind spot up until this past weekend was donnie darko um i had just like missed this movie for whatever reason was very it it was ubiquitous on uh on the shelves of every college friend and party that i went to and uh i had missed it um so donnie darko the cult classic uh, I, I, I had missed it had been a blind spot up until a couple of days ago. Am I, you know, for some reason I get the vibe from you and I don't mm-hmm. have a lot to go off of on I like this, this, but I like this. you yes. almost were taking pride in pride? not seeing Don yes. Darko. Good call. I will own that. I will own that. Although that's not like I, I did. That wasn't a conscious decision. I would say you're, you're accurate in that. Um, I did not hide the fact that I had not seen Donnie Darko. I think the reason I was somewhat proud of that is because I had kind of viewed the movie from not having seen it. I had viewed the movie as sort of like a boondock saints esque movie where it's like a movie that like, like um, some, someone who doesn't know anything about like, just like, like an idiot's masterpiece is sort of what <laughs> I, how I viewed it, viewed it. Um, Meathead classic idiot's masterpiece. Me- <laughs> You're yeah, so fucking and, righteous, uh, dude. <laughs> I mean, unintentionally, I just like I mean, I'll I'll own that. It is like kind of insufferable that that take. But that was my sort of view of the movie because I'd never like I had never it wasn't that I was like avoiding the movie, it's just I had zero drive to see the movie because I feel like I, you know, people I, I knew exactly what it was. And having watched it, it didn't like I, I will say it's we, we, we'll, we'll deep dive that 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 uh, that movie here in uh, in a coming episode, but I, it didn't like it, it, I, I I didn't that movie didn't go to credits and I wasn't like I was wrong. Um, it's it's certainly better than an idiot's masterpiece, but uh, it 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 wasn't not that at the same time. Yeah, I don't know, man. <laughs> I I just got the feeling like maybe you made it. To like 2021 20, <laughs> without seeing it. And then you started to dig your heels in a little bit. And I, I, I also get the feeling a little bit that, and this is all just a read on Bring you it. Through, I love it. through Zoom. Yeah. But 
Yeah. It was a little bit of a, of a self-fulfilling prophecy for you. And I only say this as someone who, who has the, the propensity to do the same thing with movies. Uh, this is, this is fair. And this is good for me to hear. I think you're not wrong. I haven't like fully thought about it, but I think, um, I can, I can buy some of that for sure. I had like, I, I, Donnie Darko had a big hill to climb for me when I was watching it. And, uh, and I will admit that that, that did not do it any favors and is not the lens I typically watch even like an, a cult classic um, I feel like there was someone in your dorm room, like down the, or in your, in your dorm, like down the hall, who was sort of like insufferable and, and perpetually yeah. Yeah, yeah, stoned, yeah. who was like, this is yeah. the best fucking movie ever. And you were like, fuck <laughs> that movie. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. This person, this person was just like, all right, I own the best, uh, the best things out there. We're either watching season four of Nip Tuck or Donnie Darko. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Um, yeah, you're not wrong. I mean, I, I, I think that like, that's the personification of like the vibe that Donnie Darko, like, uh, uh, advocates, uh, are, but it wasn't a singular person, but it's also, that's pretty accurate. And from my point of view, so Donnie Darko had a lot of negative propaganda in the life of Nick Mestad leading up to him watching it, uh, two days ago. I will definitely admit that. And I think your analysis is pretty accurate. So I own that. It was my blind spot. I'm glad I saw it, um, but it was uh, it was colored pretty heavily I, I for me going in. I sniffed you out on this one. This, this is yeah. a film we'll uh, we'll we'll talk about at length, so uh-huh. we'll, we'll move on. But I have I have plenty to say about about Donnie Darko coming up here. My blind spot. I had two mm-hmm. blind spots. Uh, Bridget Jones's mm-hmm. Diary. Have you ever seen Ooh, this? Ooh, no, that's a blind spot. I didn't even realize that was a blind spot for me. Huge blind spot. And yeah. That's more of a cultural blind spot, not like, oh, a mm-hmm. cinema classic that has somehow just like slipped by. But I feel like it's referenced a lot. Like there's been a ton of sequels. For sure. And I just yep. didn't even know what it was about. Shocked to see Renee Zellweger, Texas native, playing a British girl. Kind of a weird oh, casting yeah. choice, I, but okay. You know what? Now that you say it's that, funny. I think. I think that movie. I I believe it. I, I now that you say that, I think that that movie, or just like knowledge of that movie, and knowledge that it was like a British movie, or she played a British character, kind of like unofficially made me think, at least for a while, that she was British, like almost like Christian, how Christian Bale is British, but like only plays American, like plays so many American roles. You kind of like don't know that unless you see interviews with them. I felt like British Bridget Jones's Diary, like kind of made me think, like, oh yeah, Renee Zellweger is like British. But like this is a this is a like feeling that I've never like brought under any sort of microscope or even like thought about directly. Which like if I had, it would have been like no, she's she's like she's American. That is um, that's yeah. called acting, dude. She's so good at it. I'm a huge Renee Zellweger fan, and uh, same yeah. same love yeah. love her and Jerry Maguire. Love Jerry Maguire. I can't can't wait to watch Jerry Maguire and in, in Jerry Maguire. Yeah, that was her breakout. I always, me myself and Irene was a big movie for me, and that was the year before this, two thousand. And uh, she's great in that too. I'll I'll say it. She's great in me myself and Irene. All right, um, and then uh, and then also, have you seen the man who wasn't there? No, man. I'm embarrassed now that all your blind spots are my blind spots, and I already have two more okay. blind spots to go, to go through. This is embarrassing. I've not seen that. Have, have you seen it for this episode? Uh, I did watch it for this episode. This was a blind spot for me. The man who wasn't there. Um, Coen yeah. Brothers mm-hmm. film starring Billy Bob Thornton, 
taking place mm-hmm. in um, the 1940s in a barber shop. And this is sort of, I didn't know what to do with this movie. This is after Lebowski. So the Coen brothers are like bona fide A-list Hollywood directors. And yeah. it's very non-commercial, this film. It is It is like, you know, sometimes the Coen brothers make these brilliant but very inaccessible movies. Yes. Yeah, yep. I would put like Barton Fink in that category. I'd put Hudsucker Proxy in that category. Um, serious Man. Serious Man, recently. definitely. Yeah. And mm-hmm. it's like they just, they have a taste that they don't want to, they don't necessarily want to cater to the masses. Mm-hmm. And this is mm-hmm. one of those. It is, yeah, I, it, it's inaccessible, but it is like visually searing. It's It's simple in mm-hmm. a lot of ways, but it's like, yeah, I mean, it is like a, it's a visual force and it is, it's thick, it's dense, but mm-hmm. it's kind of like, it, it's kind of great. So it, again, this, this, okay. if, if this was the best, the best five, if, if our final category was the best five movies of, of 2001, I would likely mm-hmm. slide this in. Um, but, but yeah, it's inaccessibility is is just gonna the only time I'll bring it up is is in this blind spot. But if you are big into the Cohen brothers and you, you know, can can navigate your way through these intellectual slogs, go watch mm-hmm. go watch uh, the man who wasn't there. I love it. I yeah, it's when just like doing research for this year it was the first time I'd come across that name in a long time, and I was like, oh yeah, I remember this movie. Like, and it just never like appeared on anything. Like when I'm, whenever I'm like looking for something to watch, I never think of it, never see it. So I'm glad you, you recommended it. Roger Deakins shot it as well. Roger Deakins. I mean, how can you go wrong? Love it. Okay. Uh, also currently a blind spot for me. So that's embarrassing. I, uh, I also aforementioned Wet Hot American Summer. I still haven't seen as well as I will say Super Troopers, which I can't tell like what's because this movie, I can't tell if it was like a regional cult classic or if this is like (laughs) somewhat of a cult classic for like kind of everyone. Like, but how regional, like, like state? I don't know. I (laughs) I feel like maybe like. Uh, like in the, uh, now that you say that because they did come out with a sequel and I think a spinoff series so it was like a bona fide cult classic but like I part of me thought like maybe in the Midwest it was more popular it was just hard for me to tell because like they were like yeah this was like sort of like uh what's a comparable I don't even know a comparable movie to it but it's just like kind of a gross out like comedy that like is beloved and uh, I've never seen it to this day. And I feel like, especially for like anyone who was like in high school, for, like in the four years preceding or after this this movie, that's sort of a, a big blind spot. So um, yeah, a generational blind spot for me, Super Troopers. Yeah, I, I, I don't know, man. Super Troopers, like I've seen it and haven't really, like I was, I remember cracking up at it when I was 18 or 19 or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then mm-hmm. it somehow... Like it's been forgettable. I didn't even notice that it was in in 2001. So, Super Trooper fans sure. out there, I'm not talking shit necessarily, but yeah, I don't I don't know that that's I wouldn't consider that like a super egregious blind spot for you. Cool. Okay, that makes me feel better. Thank you. Um. Right. So then we we added a category last last uh, year in film episode, which I I don't have an answer for this year. 
but that category is what are we calling this category? Did we have a catchy name? Actor ha- actor having a great year. Actor having a great year. Very um communicative name. Yes. What do you have uh, for actor having a great year? So I can kind of maybe make up for both of us because I actually have two candidates for this one. I have uh, oh, text my me, first. Text me and then I can pretend. <laughs> yeah, I'll text you both of them and you'll take both of them. I won't have one. Um, my first uh, uh, actor having a great year is Luke Wilson. And uh, I say that because uh, his two maybe biggest roles are certainly the most, two most classic films maybe he's been eh. Bottle Rockets kind of a category, so I, I won't say that. But he has two great big movie, like kind of enduring movies this year. He has Royal Tenenbaums, and he also has Le- he's in Legally Blonde, which I saw for the first time a couple of days ago. Um, so I will say Luke Wilson, shout out, uh, great year in 2001. I would say maybe his best year. Okay. Um, and I also have Jim Broadbent, who uh, he plays the uh, like owner of Moulin Rouge in Moulin Rouge. And uh, he also wins Best Supporting Actor this year for a film called Iris. Uh, I know him from Moulin Rouge. That's like my reference point. I feel like maybe he also plays um, a character in one of the Harry Potter movies. I don't know which one, but he's a classic, uh, classic British actor, really lovable, um, kind of exude sort of an exuberant sort of whimsical vibe. Uh, great guy. And that's a that's a big year for Jim Broadbent. So those are my two my two uh, at least nominees for for actors who who had a great year in 2001. Thanks for coming prepared with two. Hey, I just it's I I see things, up. I notice things, I notice things and I write them down. That's it. You pick me up. Um <laughs> what uh okay, so I guess we will will we'll head right into the the grand finale here. The we're the, there. The Mount we're Rushmore there. plus 1 of the year. Yeah. Um love it. This is where we we make our own best picture nominees and each award um the best picture retroactively of 2001 mm-hmm. as I- mm-hmm. in case anyone's listening for the first time i'm just going to rifle through my personal criteria i know nick uh agrees and disagrees to varying um i've degrees. come around somewhat okay yeah you you, yeah. you swallow most of these <laughs> yes, okay. I do. I do. Yes. So feel free to add on, but just really quick, the 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 criteria I use um, when when sorting these movies out of my head is it mm-hmm. not bad? Is the film not bad? Mm-hmm. Has has it aged well aesthetically? If it does date itself, does it do so in a cool way? Do the special effects still hold up? Are the concepts still relevant and prescient today? Is it widely seen either when it came out or has reached some sort of cult status afterwards? Does it remain in the conversation in one way or another? And is there a rewatchability to it? Anything to add? Mm-hmm. Nope. I like that. I like that. I've come around. Great. I'm a follower. Great. I'm glad we're. Um, I'm glad. I'm glad we're aligned on this. I have a feeling we won't be aligned on this top five. I. I. I know it's been hard for me, like trying to like just context clues deduce like what you might have in your top five based on what you have and have not referenced and i feel like this this runs the risk of being wildly different which is exciting i i i I think so too and i will say this year i didn't this i didn't love this year in film i think that there was like a ton of movies that i could have put at like four to six that felt like they were justified at like the end of my yep top five 
Um, there's yep. a lot of stuff that's like off the list that I'm like, well, that's just as good as my number five. Um, mm-hmm. But then also my like three, two, and one, I'm kind of like, yeah, you know. Yeah, I, 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 I wrote to, I like wrote down, I was able to write down like kind of like a general list, not just like a general like just accumulation of like these movies are contenders. And then I, I was able to kind of rank them pretty quickly, but I, in terms of how deeply I feel about their, each movie in the ranking that they're in is, is varies pretty, pretty heavily. Um, this is also, I think the best time to kind of put out the disclaimer to listeners that this was the first episode where we really kind of hit a wall in regards to what we're using as, the criteria for the year a movie is released. And that may sound like it's splitting hairs, but it really, uh, this year we've run into it. And I think moving forward, we're going to do it slightly differently. But like, I think Letterbox as sort of the authority for like what the release year for a movie was, is what we're going to use for the criteria moving forward. The reason that's sort of important is because this year there are a handful of movies, one or two movies that came out technically at in 2000 but their u.s release was in 2001 therefore their oscar contention was for this year um i think that'll come up with a movie that is on my list because i used the the oscar contention as its as its criteria whereas max you're already going by the the letterbox release as the as the gospel yeah correct correct and okay. so all right i i think your way your your distinction it makes more sense but again what i like about the letterboxed option is that it just like gives listeners at home a quick way to to organize these films check them out uh to see what what films came out this year and sort of sort of weigh their favorite movies of the year against what we put on these lists so yeah um no I'll, that's i like that as well i'll also say i'm just thinking about this now that this was um 9-11 happened in 2001, obviously, which I think yeah. might be part of the reason that we had so many discrepancies this year, because I imagine there was a lot of things that had Ooh. a festival release that ended up pushing their theatrical release um, out of like September past the super busy like November, December Oscar bait uh, movie season and maybe into mm-hmm. 2002. So I don't I don't know that for sure, but I that just came to mind as maybe a, that's a really good, that's a really good point. And I will say that, um, sort of planning some of these deep dives, the, the, that September 11th occurrence and the movies that came out before and after uh, one of the deep dives, I, it's looking like we'll kind of center around that time and a movie that came out around either right before September 11th or the week of September 11th. And just kind of using that as an analysis for exactly what you're saying. So that's a really good point. Uh, we will be delving into the occurrence of September 11th uh, in a deep dive All right. more thoroughly. We are late. We are late. So let's uh, let's start We're hacking late. our way through through here. I'll try not to be too long winded on some of my options. Why don't you kick us off with your mm-hmm. your much anticipated number five? Oh right, my number five. I have the Royal Tenenbaums. Um, this is. I would argue the best uh, Wes Anderson film. Um, I know that that's very debatable. Uh, I love it. It, uh, it it just it's such a colorful, wonderful, um, darkly funny, darkly poetic movie. Uh, it gave us Halloween costs. I defy you to uh, not see one of these characters uh, as a costume on Halloween to this day. Uh, it is it is 
uh, it, it's yeah, it's just a great it's a great movie and Wes Anderson's best movie and the cast uh you know, it's Gene Hackman's arguably last great performance. Ben Stiller, Owen Wilson, Drew Barrymore. Um, uh, it, it's just, it's, 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 it's fantastic. Uh, that's what I have as my, my, uh, my number five. Um, okay. I don't, I don't have Royal Tenenbaums on my list. I don't love Wes Anderson movies. I think he's very talented. Okay. And mm-hmm. I do agree with you that this is probably his best film. But ultimately... Mm-hmm things become so cute and quirky that I feel a big twee twee that I feel a big disconnect to the story. And I always really like them for like the first 20 minutes and then I somehow get mm. lost. So um, I, th- with okay. that said, I do, I do think this is his best film. And I, th- this was one of the films I was grappling with where to put it ultimately did not make my top five, but sure. Clearly a classic from 2001. Yeah, very much so. Max, what do you got for number five? Okay, my number five. I don't really... Ooh. I can't. I'm, I'm struggling with this here. Dude, yeah, I can tell. This is kind of... This is exciting. All right. My number five is Amelie. Is okay. this in your okay. list at all? It's not, but but like Royal Tenenbaums for you. This I was struggling for a place to 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 for to put this movie. This is in my this is top of my honorable mentions list. Okay, I don't. This is not like a a movie I adore necessarily. Mm-hmm. It is. Mm-hmm. It's a well crafted film. Um, it is like I used to think it was sort of cartoony, but I did rewatch it for this episode, and it is. It's stylish, and it's crisp filmmaking even if it's not really my cup of tea the reason i'm Mm. putting this in is that i the way i remember it is that this was really the film that like made foreign films commercially viable and i'm not saying that like i'm not saying that it was like people weren't going to see foreign films in america before this but this was really the one i remember like the theater being packed for and like, mm. you know, my friends, my hypothetical friend's mom seeing and adoring, which before yeah. this, you know, you kind of had to like go to the Uptown Theater to go see a foreign film. But this was like all over mm. the place. So that that I will give it a little bit of love and, and think that it maybe knocked down a few barriers for what has been a very fruitful few decades for foreign films in America. Yeah. Yeah, I like that. I like that sort of uh, that that context of like kind of the the you know kind of the unprecedented territory that it went to like on a U.S. release for sure. I will say this is on a like if we were listing top five personal favorite films of this year, I think this would be on my list. This certainly warrants mentioning as it. This is a like a very high contender in the category of movies. I like fantasize like that I made like this movie has exactly what I love in movies where it's like the texture of it, the like anecdotal, colorful characters and side stories and like it, 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 like finding a way to like tell like have all these beautiful like just observations and life moments. And you can tell like the, the writer director like had all these stories and like little fun facts and weird facts about people. And he found such a like perfect way to incorporate them into like a really colorful tapestry of a story. Um, I fucking love like the type of movie that this is. And uh, this is a personal favorite for sure from this year for me. Take us to number four. I have Shrek at number four. 
This is uh, a movie that is uh, not a personal favorite of mine, um, but it's hard to overstate the like cultural touchstone that this movie was in regards to like the umpteen sequels that it got in the decade after this. Uh, and the, like, it's just like such a cultural, tu- cultural touchstone for better or worse for the, the 10 to 15 years after its release. Um, like its characters were, were ubiquitous. It's, it's soundtrack was ubiquitous. It gets like, it's like uh, the ironic meme um, source that just won't stop giving uh, to this day. Um, again, n- not a movie that I really like much at all. Um, I did find myself rewatching a portion of it um, with family like in the past year and was like pleasantly surprised. I'm like, oh yeah, this was clever at the time. Like it's like easy to lose sight of like what the movie was on its release, which was like a send up and parody of kind of the Disney fairy tale. And uh, in that context, it is like very, it was very fresh at the time and very like uh, fertile ground to make fun of. And it has heart. Uh, so I think like as a, as, as it, what has been completely diluted and uh, like almost impossible to see at this point, I think at the moment that it came out, Shrek was like a really original, fresh take and uh, it had a huge cultural impact uh, yeah. upon its release. D- dilution is the word here because I don't even remember the film anymore, but I do remember mm-hmm. the million sequels, the video games, the cheap mm-hmm. target backpacks featuring yep. Shrek's like all just like the licensing, make happy meal blown out shit. Yep. And somehow yep. that detracted from the film. And maybe if this was a standalone, hugely a standalone movie, it, it, it would it would resonate a little differently over time. But to me, I think it, for it, sure. it, dilution is the, the key word there. Yeah, for sure. Uh, Max, what do you got for number four? All right. My number four is Ocean's Eleven. Nice. You have uh, this is it's, yeah. I'm going to talk about this later. Okay. Okay. Well, I, I will save. Uh, I'll, I'll save my spiel for that. Great. You take us to your number three now. So my number three, and this is this was uh, the reason why we gave the disclaimer about our different um, release year criteria. I have Memento. Memento technically is listed as coming out in 2000, but this was released in the U.S. in March of 2001, and it contended in the Oscar year of 2001. Um, and so that's why I had, had, uh, um, I have it on my list and considered it, uh, in competition. It's my number three. Uh, it's a movie that like, it's st- like the structure of it is still referenced. It's still like a super, super original, uh, concept. And especially considering that it's like a, a minimal budget indie, um, it, it's pretty remarkable that it has the staying power that it has not, not to mention it launched the career of like the kind of, um, What's the best the the the, the marquee big budget blockbuster yeah. auteur of of the past twenty years? Marquee director, Nolan. I think, is the, be- yes. the best. Yes, marquee director, it. the only director that can sell um, a film to the mainstream with just the the main the true the true mainstream with just his name. Mm-hmm. I think. Yeah. Yep. And uh, and it's and it's there in Memento. It's like kind of like crazy that. I feel like it's very rare for like a, a a super original runaway indie to actually play out into like the next auteur. That's always the dream, and that's kind of the hope. Uh, but it it it. But what Memento was to Christopher Nolan's career uh, is like truly the dream of like any like aspiring filmmaker. I think 
roughly, or certainly the 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 yeah to be it, 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 removing like the type of movies that he makes or any sort of contention one has with like you know it, whether the movies he makes is your cup of tea or not like the what Memento is to his kind of brand to the movies he makes it's like the dream so uh, Memento is, is firmly my my number three Memento is off my list because of the um, the, the the discrepancy we mentioned earlier and I will um, I think most likely save it for our um, imminent. 2000 episode and so i'm gonna keep that card in my pocket and leave it off my top five right now yeah max what do you got for number three my number three is lord of the rings and the fellowship of the ring i so i you i also have this late later on in your list yeah okay great let's let's wait and and talk about it i guess we have more 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 unison than i i was i was predicting but i'm pretty sure yeah the list will fall apart here what is your number two so my number two is Ocean's Eleven. Um, this was your number three? Uh, this was my number four. Your number four. Yes. Cool. Um, so yeah, so since it was your number four and you had to pause, what uh, what do you have to say about it? Let's talk. I will say that I watched this in preparation for this episode. I hadn't seen it in a, quite a while. It is a lot mm-hmm. worse than I remember it being. Wow. Um, like or not worse, but it's like it it, it is it is for sure dated in, in a lot of yeah ways, and it's yes. less like thrilling and clever than I remember it. But this is what I think about this movie: is that did your I feel like my my like grandparents were always like making me watch these older movies that had so mm-hmm. much like that had so much significance to them that were so fun, like like charade or like the third man or like Johnny cool. And yeah. And this is going to be that type of movie for us and our grandkids where they're going to like sit there and be like, I don't get it. And we're going to be so enamored with these these aging, (laughs) with these aging Hollywood stars that were a list cast. Um, yeah, that we we will still be enamored with in, in our in our seventies, um, and that's oh, for this damn. hypothetical situation. I am giving it, uh, putting in my list as as my number four. So so j- just so I understand you, and and I don't necessarily disagree with you, but just to clarify why you have it on your list is because this is the bad movie that you're going to be stubborn about. No, it's more just like, um. I think it, it it has to do with with the cast, and it's not a bad movie, but it's just yeah. not like mm-hmm. again if we were doing our gotcha. best movies, it wouldn't be yeah. in my top yeah. five. But it because of its like cultural relevance, because of the way it time stamps itself right into two thousand one, mm-hmm. um, mm-hmm. I feel like it's going to be replaying on like the equivalent of TCM for us, um, yeah, in in forty years and. And we'll always sit there and watch it because we'll love to see all these young, beautiful yeah. actors together. Yeah, man. Damn. I hate how true that feels. What you just said. I haven't really considered it in that lens. And I, it troubles me because I think it, there's a, there's a real truth to it. I like, yeah. I mean, like it's arguably the best, like the most A-list cast of all time, especially like at the time this came out, this is like, Clooney Pitt and uh Damon Damon's trajectory like still like he I, I feel like he he 
it's funny that he's like a uh, like a sidekick ish character uh, in this, but it is like all time like Casey maybe the Affleck. most cast ever. Casey Affleck, uh, Julia Roberts. Jesus Christ. Yeah. It's also like, to, for my money, it's like if we're talking heist movies, this is the heist movie. Like, the, like the, 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 the better, the, the, the like new best heist movie has yet to come out. And this is the one that it has to beat because this is like the heist movie up, uh, until like, it, it's basically like in the next decade, I think we're going to see like the new heist movie. That's like whatever this was for heist movies, like we're going to get that again, I think in the next 10 years, because this is like the reference point. Uh, if we're talking any heist movie, it's like the oceans 11. It's fucking now I'm like qualifying or feeling like kind of like self-conscious about everything I say, because I feel like, and it's now through the lens of like, just that, like someone who was in the eye of the storm when it came out. And this was so cool to me at the time that it's like kind of vacuum sealed in that view, but it is like Brad Pitt eating, uh, is like George Clooney sort of sign and shuffling around poker chips, just everything like the lighting, the freeze frames, the soundtrack, like it is like it is 2001, but it also feels like it like reads like consciously, like it's almost like a nice, um, it's a nice, uh, like it's a a asset to the movie that it is that like 2001 ness of it. Totally. Um, Yeah, um, it'll be interesting to see. That's a really interesting point and one that I will be very considerate of as I recommend or don't recommend this to to future generations. (laughs) All right. (laughs) Uh, Max, what do you got for for your number two? All right, my number two is Donnie freaking Darko. Wow, two. Yes. And again, um, we're going to talk about this a lot. We've actually done this backwards. I don't know if we should spoil this, but uh, our next yeah, week's, I guess we can. Our next week's deep dive, which we've already done uh, due to logistical reasons, is Donnie Darko. So there'll be plenty to hear about this. You know, like I said, nothing really seemed to be... All of these films seem to deserve to be at like number five for me, and nothing really mm-hmm. seemed to deserve to be this high. I'm putting it this high just because of the the reasons we we will talk about but there's the, it is like perhaps the last true classic trajectory of a cult movie um hmm. it is definitely it's definitely in the zeitgeist uh, of 2001 and mm-hmm. and there's a rewatchability to it great cast launched a few really good careers or at least where it was at the dawn of a couple good careers if it didn't launch it and uh like i'll say in in the upcoming episode it it was my gateway drug to my favorite genre of movies even if it isn't that even even if it's a uh what do you call it an idiot masterpiece even even if you might be onto something (laughs) calling it an idiot masterpiece that uh that doesn't Mm -hmm. change and I, I may agree with you. It doesn't change where it's falling in my top five. Cool. I can respect that. I can respect that. Even as I have new contentions with like, you know, Napoleon Dynamite from 2004, 2005 is also like a cult classic. And that comes out four years later. But um, I won't split hairs. And I respect your your take. Valid points across the board. What's your number two? Um, uh, we're on my number one. The... Oh, right. The big one. Wait, so hold on. Let me guess because I feel Mm -hmm. like there's a few 
agree like just knowing you i think it's Mm -hmm. monsters inc it's not oh wow so that's you put shrek on your top five and not monsters inc even i know that's that's ludicrous well so we're going by cultural impact i mean like shrek was like you know the, the the your criteria of like is it good like you know, Monsters Inc. is by like. There's no question that it is a absolute all time masterpiece movie. Um, but Shrek, like as a cultural moment, uh, like and and as like a, like kind of like a very big movie at the time. Like it 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 is Shrek. Like the cultural impact of Shrek. Like Shrek won the best animated feature film, which is egregious. But at the same time. It was like it's 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 a bad movie, but it like was huge, and it still is huge. It's like a McDonald's meal. It's I don't know. It's it's so Uh, this is a good this is a good opportunity. I just want to give a shout out to Monsters Inc. because like basically I like really divorced myself from like personal favorites to like what is actually do I think in the top five because Monsters Inc. is like absolutely still around and has emerged as like and I knew this at the time I will say this it was clear I mean it's like it's a masterpiece and it's like and Pete Doctor the writer director of Monsters Inc is like for my money the be- one of the best filmmakers currently out there and has been um th- like Monsters Inc is a a true classic I didn't include it in this because it's like personal favorite or like personal feelings towards a movie is like this the the very low on the criteria sure. here in fact it should 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 be divorced completely. I think so. That's why. And I want to be clear. I do not think Shrek or maybe even any of these movies is necessarily better than Monsters Inc. Um, but it's like if we're doing a personal list, that's number one for me, no question. All right, give me give me your number one. Fellowship of the Ring, okay. first Lord of the Rings movie. Um, you know, it's sort of debating like whether or not to use this as you know one of these. Is this representative of the trilogy? Is it representative of the franchise that it spurred? I don't know. As a standalone movie, and you can't really divorce it from the two others that follow. This one fucking rules, as do the other two. Um, in terms of its like longevity and legacy, it's meme central. It is huge reference point and for for quotable lines for moments. Um, it holds up, uh, it, it, it's, it was huge at the time, like massive at the time and, uh, and a touchdown and remains like a, a true classic, a true masterpiece classic. Uh, and it's a great first entry. People say it's the most boring one. That's not a, a detriment to it. I don't, I think that's like technically true of the trilogy that this is the most boring one, but I also think it's phenomenal and, uh. Yeah, it's 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 firmly like a, 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 a for my money the 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 most classic biggest movie from from two thousand and one. Yeah, I I I left it higher up on my list. I rewatched it recently. It is um, it didn't age as well as the other two, in my opinion. Mm. Just like the look of it, like the style in which it's it's shot. And okay, I don't know if yeah. it's that interesting yeah. to really go deep into that. Um, but it's ambitious and and it kicks off one of the biggest franchises of of our lifetime and mm-hmm. we i remember i remember being totally enthralled when i saw it in the theaters um mm-hmm. but yeah it, i had a hard time sort of um severing it from the other two or considering all three to to sort of be a yeah. single entity and i think that for my money 
uh, whatever year Return of the King came out is probably when I will give it a little bit more, the, the series a little bit more love on this podcast than I did this year. Just like the Oscars, just like the Oscars. Yep. Uh, I think I think that's totally fair. It also is worth mentioning franchise-wise, this uh, Lord of the Rings started in 2001, Harry Potter started in, in uh, 2001, as did The Fast and the Furious uh, start in 2001. So huge year for all-time franchises. Um, Max, what do you got for number one? What would you guess my number one is? I'm trying to figure it out now. So... Oh man, I had a hard time with this as well as I've been saying this whole, this this whole yeah. sequence. Is this predictable? Like, is this like, like it, this is something that I'd be able to to guess? You're not gonna have AI. Fuck no, I'm not gonna have AI, dude. Okay, I don't know, man. I don't that, know that Spielberg <laughs> ripping off Kubrick and and, and Spielbergizing <laughs> it. No thanks, dude. <laughs> Man, I just like opened a a door that is nothing but like a burning fire. I had no idea you, that's the way you feel. You know, about that's it. how that was Kubrick's that was Kubrick's Kubrick's project, and he died, and Spielberg somehow oh, yeah. had oh, his yeah. greasy little fingers on uh, it. <laughs> I am not associated with the thoughts and opinions <laughs> of my co-host. Um, no, I don't know. Uh, is it Moulin Rouge? Uh, no, Moulin Rouge was a number another one I wanted to have like at number five, yeah. but it was just it was yeah. a little over overcrowded. I have Mulholland Drive as my number one. Oh, duh, 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 duh. Yes, and sure. it's Go it's hard to it's hard to put a David Lynch movie at the in the number one spot because they are like mm-hmm. by default inaccessible. But mm-hmm. I somehow feel like this is the quintessential david lynch movie i feel like david lynch yeah. when he goes this is going to be sort of like his his tip of the mountain and mm-hmm. it's it, it is it is so it's you've seen this movie right yep it is it is weird it is not necessarily like easy to watch but it is just like a classic david lynch movie like it just mm-hmm. stays it just sticks with yes. you it, 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 it embeds itself deep in the grooves of your mind and stays there. And yes. I think a lot of people have this experience. So this might be a little heady. This might be a little bit uh, like uh, abstract and cinephile to have as the number one, but it's really the only thing I couldn't put Donnie Darko as my number one. I couldn't put oceans. I couldn't put Lord of the Rings for the reasons I mentioned before. And I couldn't mm-hmm. put Amelie. So this felt like the only one that really fit. I can get behind that, man. I can get behind that. And that was certainly going into this episode. That was a title that like, there there are so many, there are many titles from this year that are like, oh man, like shout out. Uh, And this is, when I saw this, I thought this would be on your top five and then I kind of forgot about it. Um, This is like, yeah, it's a great, it's a, it's yeah. Every, I don't know that I have anything new to say about that. You didn't just cover. (laughs) Um, But yes, 100%. It's like the David Lynch movie arguably yeah and it's it, it's hard to even say anything about it because it's like these are just like sort of sort of like these um they're, they're just like these hypnotic movies and i'm sure like scholars mm-hmm. can write a lot up about it but i've always been reticent as you know to really like do a deep dive into like a david lynch movie because yeah you know, i feel yeah. like i'm yeah uh, i'm like bringing we a, need to do a butter it, knife to a to a sword fight or something <laughs> <laughs> I we gotta do it, man. I, I feel like there's it's it's ripe territory. 
All right. So that is uh, that is my number one. And where this this might be a little bit long of an episode, but it's my it's my farewell for the next for the next yeah. uh, few weeks here. So uh, I'm going to yeah. say my say my shit. <sighs> I'm tearing up here, man. I think uh, maybe we can do like a little some some spinoff bonus episodes and and do mm-hmm. best idiot masterpieces of all time. This is a category is I'm pretty I am pretty interested in now that <laughs> uh, Joker is uh is a is a high on that list. Uh, oh man. Yeah. Ten listeners we lost, but I agree. Joker Joker's a bit of an idiot, <laughs> an idiot masterpiece. Gio will be so yeah. sad to to hear this reference. Have you even seen it yet though? Because I remember the, I have, the last time I have, you were declaring last it. Last time I hadn't seen it. An idiot masterpiece. To a to a very <laughs> upset car in the middle of production, it, it came yeah, out that no. you hadn't seen it. So I'm glad. <laughs> no, I've seen it. Oh, I've seen it. We can also we can also qualify it as um, um, dorm room poster Hall of Fame. Uh, as another like uh, yeah, that's a good uh, one too. With like next to Boondock Saints. Yep. Yep. And Fight Club. And again, I mean, this is where it gets interesting because some of these movies are like legit yep. have like staying power and others just don't. Yep. So that, that's I'm, a good I'm, I'm that's a good category, too, because, you know, yeah, things like Pulp Fiction are up there, but also like, yep. yeah, Boondock Saints is up there. So <laughs> Boondock Saints. And, you know, whatever movie has Einstein sticking his tongue out like that, you know, <laughs> whatever movie has Bob Marley like uh, smoking a joint. <laughs> yeah, whatever whatever movie has those like uh, six women uh, who are naked sitting next to the pool. Yeah, <laughs> oh, dude, whatever I, movie has that portrait of Kramer. Yeah, dude, I have so many so many movies, dorm room movies to catch up. It's on. rich, man. Rich, rich genre. <laughs> All right, I'm going. Uh, I'm going to get us on on the off ramp here. Um, mm-hmm. So, uh, 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 thank you so much for listening. Please hit the subscribe button on your podcast player. And if you have a moment and enjoy the show, please leave us a good review. It goes a long ways for a long way, uh, allowing us to continue making these episodes, which we both sincerely enjoy. We Mm -hmm. would love to hear from you. If you agree with us, disagree with us, or have your own hot takes, send us an email or voice memo to the Oscar went to at gmail.com. And if we think you're onto something, we will play it slash read it on an upcoming episode. And lastly, if you have a film you'd like us to talk about, shoot us an email and tell us why you love or hate this movie. And we will consider it for our next deep dive. Specifically, give us some uh, 2001 options. Mm-hmm. Please. Next week, if you want to watch along with us, we'll be talking about the aforementioned idiot masterpiece, Donnie Darko. <laughs> <laughs> and um, and uh, so, yeah, give that a watch and, and join us in a, in a week if, if you want to hear, um, uh, I guess... If 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 you want to hear me laud and, and Nick uh, Nick's general skepticism about this film, no spoilers. <laughs> and uh, that's it, dude. I, I'm sad, but I will I will be back with you um, in, in a few weeks. We're gonna miss you, Max. I'm gonna miss you. The listeners are gonna miss you. I uh, I, I I do not take my responsibility lightly of of carrying this uh, this beautiful baby that we've created. Yeah, and uh, I'm gonna miss you well. too. I hope that you don't find a, a new co-host and like change the passwords to all of the uh, accounts <laughs> and and block my number. That'd be pretty sad. 
I I promise you I won't. And if it happens, I'm sorry. All right, man. It's been real. Give us give us our sign off. All right. Uh, this has been the Oscar went to and uh, until <laughs> until next time. <clears throat> Hang on. All right, that just about does it. Uh, We'll see you next episode, and until then, the balcony is closed. Bye-bye, Nick. Bye, Max.